0: Everyone, even the person next to you, even the person that that I don't know, everyone you see, because of who Jesus is, and, and this is unique to us as Jesus followers, we have a spiritual gift. We have something that makes us someone. And so Lego Movie, the story, is about Emmett. He's the construction working guy on the picture behind me, and he is happy about everything all the time. And then the opposite end of the spectrum from him uh, is this other Lego whose name is Wildchild. And in the course of the movie, Wildchild sees something Not Wild Child, I don't know, some other movie, some other name. But Wild Style, thank you. (laughs) Wild Child was me. Um, Wild Style sees something and that like pushes her. I gotta do something. That's what we're gonna look at today. So, media team, let's roll tape.
1: Uh, Hey, everybody. You don't know me, but I'm on TV, so you can trust me. I know things seem kind of bad right now, but there is a way out of this. This is Emmett. And he was just like all of you. A face in the crowd, following the same instructions as you. He was so good at fitting in, no one ever saw him. And I owe you an apology, because I used to look down on people like that.
0: I used to think they were followers with no ideas or vision.
1: Because it turns out, Emmett had great ideas. And even though they seemed weird and kind of pointless, they actually came closer than anyone else to saving the universe. And now we have to finish what he started by making whatever weird thing pops into our heads. All of you have the ability inside of you to be a groundbreaker. And I mean literally, break the ground, peel up the pieces, tear apart your walls, build things only you could build. Defend yourselves. We need to fight back against President Business's plans to freeze us. Today will not be known as Taco Tuesday, it will be known as Freedom Friday. But still on a Tuesday.
0: Still on a Tuesday. So what's going on right there and how that applies to us is is in a couple ways. The first is that the local church, us, grouped together in this place, is the hope of the world. When Jesus left earth, his plan wasn't, well, they're they're just going to figure everything out on their own. His plan was for the church to change the world. And the local church is only effective because of the unique and diverse gifts of his people. What we saw there is going to be is something that we're going to get to in a little bit, but we're only effective because we are different. The core verse that we're using to tie these weeks together uh, is from Ephesians 4 verses 11 and 12. The media team is going to put it up on the screen. And it says, these are the gifts that Christ has given to the church. The apostles, that's what we talked about last week. That's the people who see the vision. They kind of live 30,000 feet up off the ground all the time, and they've got the idea of this is where we're going to go. And then everybody else gets gets the church there. The prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And so these five weeks, we're going through those five gifts, and the reason is, is because more variety, there's five of them, more variety means more victory. More variety means more victory. We got to see this this week in the Olympics. There was one moment where the men's 10,000, which is six miles, 25 laps around the track, was happening at the same time as the men's shot put, which is you take something that weighs as much as two gallons of milk, and you throw it as far as you can. And for the people in the Olympics, it's like 60, 70 feet. For me, it'd be six. (laughs) But there was this hilarious moment where it was a split screen between the leader of the 10K and the leader of the shot put, and it looks like one of them could eat the other one for lunch. <laughs> and that's the point of track. That's the point of the Olympics. That's the point of what we're going at for the net for what we're going at for the month of August. That if all of us looked the same, either the 10K would be really hard or the shot put would be really hard, although you wouldn't have to go very far to get the ball after the 105-pound person threw it. Is there's variety. There's goodness in the variety. We bought some Legos that we're going to use for something next week. And even on like the front page of the Amazon ad, uh, there's a picture of a family putting together the Legos. And just look at the mom. Like I'm wondering what's going through her head right now. I married a grown man who plays with toys. Like that's one thought. Another thought is that's not how I would make that. But it's the variety that makes stuff worth it. And the local church is only effective because of the unique gifts, because of the unique and diverse spiritual gifts of its people. And so today, what we're talking about, if you're already reading ahead in the, in the Ephesians passage, you're thinking, oh boy, apostles, prophets, prophets prophets. Sometimes that's weird. You're either got your running shoes on, you're ready to run the aisles, or you're shaking like a young dog on its first day out of the vet. We're talking about prophets today. We're talking about prophecy. And prophets are the eyes of the church. And we're going to throw around a few terms kind of all over the place. But prophets prophesy words of prophecy. Like all three of these things point toward the same things. And prophets are the eyes of the church. That moment uh, on the Lego thing, the, the character saw something and it pushed her into saying something about it. Prophets get pictures from God. They get information from God as they're going through daily life. God just downloads into their life. This is what's going on. This is what's happening in the world. And so they share what comes into their mind. It's just like us, like breathing, okay? We breathe in oxygen. It's like they breathe in pictures and words and messages from God and they breathe that out in a way that people understand. Apostles cast a vision, and then prophets eh, prophets receive and report the vision. And in the Old Testament, prophets were everything. Okay, so 25% of our Bible is prophetic by nature. So that means that it's very good, it's very useful, it's still a thing for us. But in the Old Testament, God spoke directly through His prophets. One of them was a guy named Moses, and so Moses says this uh, in the fourth book of the, or the fifth book of the Bible. It's called Deuteronomy he's explaining what he's received from God. He says, the Lord your God will raise up from you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell you everything I command him. He will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or speaks in the name of any other God must die. So it's this role, it's this office, it's this designation put on an individual. You're To be a prophet. And that's how it was for about the first 8,000 years of God's people until Jesus came. When Jesus came, everything changed, which is the most understated statement of all time. But one of the things that changed was when Jesus died for our sins, rose again, and then ascended back into heaven, he said, It's better for me to leave because if I stayed here, then the Holy Spirit couldn't come. At that time, it just kind of seemed like something that Jesus says, and we just let it go, and then just figure out what it means later. But what happened when Jesus rose from the, when Jesus ascended back into heaven after raising from the dead was after a few weeks, the Holy Spirit came and rested among God's people. It took over the lives of God's people. And part of the mark of that is something that was talked about a few hundred years before. This is in Acts chapter 2. Peter is talking, one of Jesus' closest followers, and he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. It's this, this moment where the eyes of the church, the eyes of God's people, go from being one individual person to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. It's not a special designation anymore. It's not just a license that people get, kind of like driving. Like, we don't give driver's licenses to everyone. I have three kids, so I have three really good pictures of why we don't do that. Right? Imagine your least responsible kid just saying, Hey, I'm in, let's go. I got the spirit of driving inside of me. The thing is, is that's not how God works. We receive the Holy Spirit when we become Christians. Not when we become Christians with a squeaky clean record. Not when we become Christians after growing up in church and memorizing everything there is to memorize. That moment where we say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life, forgive me of my sins and change me into a new person. We receive the Holy Spirit because God is a gift giving God. He's not a God where we earn things from. He's a gift giving God. And part of that gift is the gift of prophecy, the ability for us to ask God for a message, for a picture, for a word, to understand what's going on, and then to speak that out, to let that shape and push and guide us in our lives. Now, one thing about prophecy is prophecy always lives subjected and under the authority of scripture. So in my Bible and in every Bible in here, there's an Old Testament, which is a story before Jesus, which is, and then there's the New Testament, which is Jesus and a few things that happened afterwards. There's no third column in our Bibles now where it's my Testament right? So if you ate a lot of pizza last night and then went to bed and had this dream where you feel like God is totally reworking everything and everything that it says in here, it doesn't apply to you anymore. And you've got your dream and the Bible. One of those things is not going to last for the rest of the day. And it's not the Bible. God holds up his Bible as the, the authority, as our life mission, as our life directive for everything. So prophecy, it encourages us And it also gives us something to test. All right, go with me here, okay? Prophecy is kind of like dessert. Prophecy is like dessert. It's good, it's encouraging, it's fun to eat. Vegetables, you have to eat regardless. There are so many things in the Bible where we accept, if we're going to follow Jesus, it means we accept them regardless. When Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, we don't take that apart like an apple pie recipe. We don't say, yeah, you know, it's okay here in this place, but not so much here of like vegetables we eat vegetables or we're unhealthy just that's how it is dessert you can take that apart all day you can talk about your favorite ice cream your least favorite ice cream do you like the one with this type of sugar or the one with that type of sugar are you one of those weird dairy-free sugar-free people like if so we'll pray for you afterwards <laughs> but prophecy is built to be tested it's built to be tested and so we, we ask our, our taste test of prophecy, not like with kale. Kale's always going to taste bad, but be good for you. Prophecy, we test it by asking, okay, does this line up with scripture? Because like we said, it's scripture on top. Prophecy is always below the authority of scripture. We use scripture to interpret prophecy because scripture isn't going to change. Does it line up with scripture? Does it clearly violate something that God says? And then if we play this out in our life, is this going to be the type of thing that's ultimately good for us? Is this going to produce good fruit in your life and mine? That's how we test prophecy. You know, it's really easy to say, well, if you have to ask, if you have to test it, well, shouldn't it all be bad? No, that's not true. And that's also not biblical. So there was a church kind of like us uh, in a place called Corinth hundreds of years ago, hundreds of miles away, Uh, and they had some questions about what is prophecy. And so Paul, a guy who understood these things really well, writes to them. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he begins to understand and, and lay out and help them unpack what prophecy is. And he says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. It's the only gift where he says, you should especially desire this. Like, don't be a jerk. Go after the things from God. Prophecy is a good gift. And the thing is, is we're experts. All of us in here are self-proclaimed experts at what's good for us. It might not last through a full conversation, but we are experts at what is good and what is right for us. So Paul explains, what do I mean by you should eagerly desire it? He says, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you, which is okay. We'll get into that later. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church." That's a good message. That's a good word. That's something good for us. The word of, words of prophecy, God speaking to us directly, specifically about us, are given to strengthen the church. It's individual messages that, that God sees, that, that God knows, that God answers the question that all of us at some level ask, do you actually see me and do you actually know me and do you care about that? And he communicates his yes to those questions in ways that we understand so part of being a pastor at Mountain View is uh, that we are we are blessed with the privilege once a week to go into a prayer room and do no work. Like there's no desk in there. It'd be great if Wi-Fi didn't work in there, because yeah, I've done work in there before. Um, but, but it's it's our hour of the week to listen to God. And so I was there a little while ago. We're in the middle of building here, uh, which if you're new, like our building process uh, was longer than some marriages. And that is just because that's how God had it. Like it was not a fast thing, but it was a culture character shaping thing for us. Uh, And so I I asked God, okay, what do you want to say about this building that we're about to move into? And it's going to be so great. What do you want to say? And so God said, trust me with the process. I'm laying the foundation for glory in Sunnyside. As new homes are built and the nations move in, I'm adding people like Christmas lights to display my glory. So they need a source. Plug in, stand back, and watch me do the miraculous. Watch me light up Sunnyside for my glory and in my timing. Let's go. And that was August 15th of 2019. It was, two, it was a year before anything happened, before we even moved in. But it was a word of encouragement that our church needed, that we needed as a leadership team that day. Because we were looking at a campus where we had invested thousands of dollars and nothing discernible, nothing visual had happened yet. So I like, okay, God, what's going on? God's saying, trust me. Trust me with the process. We're watching the new homes being built and all that stuff across the street, not realizing that their construction was going to be even slower than ours. And everything worked out perfectly because it's, it's a good gift. It's something that God uses to encourage us. And so there are some other gifts that function under this. And one of those is the gift of intercession. Prophets see things. Right, apostles put the, put the vision into motion. Prophets see what needs to be seen as the mission is going in motion. And part of that is intercession, which means that we pray for long extended periods of time with great focus on one thing and then see results. Like this is another one of those areas where in life, the right person with the right gears, with the right giftedness can just flat out get stuff done. It's like having the right tool for a project is God has gifted some people with an ability to pray to see results. It doesn't mean that you can't say, hey, I don't have the gift of intercession, I'm never gonna pray for anybody. But within some of us, that line from the very beginning, that everybody has something that makes them someone. For some people, it's the gift of intercession to pray for big things, deep things, and then see life-changing results. And and, uh, at the the, the end of the chapter, Paul continues to explain what this looks like in in some other ways that we're going to look at under prophecy. Verse 24, he says, if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and they will be judged by what you say. And as they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. Like I read that verse and hopefully you're like me, but there's some things in here that flat out don't connect, right? Your inner thoughts are gonna be exposed and it's gonna lead you to feeling better about things. Is anybody that clean where they could say, oh, that's actually me. You know, you, you just read all my mail, think about, think through all of my thoughts, everything about me, and I'm gonna look more like God. I'll tell you, that's not me. But the way that God works is God exposes things to bring healing. Prophecy, it's words, it's pictures, it's images, it's verses from God to strengthen, to encourage, and to build up, which means even in, that, even in that inventory of who we are, God's working to build us up. And one way that he does that under prophecy is the discernment of spirits. That means it's the supernatural ability to, to, to distinguish whether spirits that are guiding us are good or bad, like we understand that the devil is real. Part of who God is means that we understand that the devil is real and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy what's good in our lives and then move on to destroying who we are in our very being. And part of the gift of prophecy is that God gets to say, you know what, that, that's actually a bad thing. But because it is God, we can look at that inventory and say, it's, it's not actually a bad thing. He's a shepherd. He's not a butcher. He's going to lead us to what's good, not crush us for getting something wrong in the first place. And he does that through discernment of spirits. The second thing is, is through casting out demons, which is exactly what it sounds like. We understand that God is good. And we also understand that the devil is bad. And what the devil hates more than anything uh, is people who love Jesus and who are excited about their relationship with him. And so the gift of prophecy gives us eyes to see that and eyes to deal with that. So last week... If you hear here, the challenge was is that at the end of the service, the doors are going to open and there's a huge map of the world right there and there's two circle tables with four pieces of paper on them. Last week when we talked about apostles and people who see church and just think, you know what, we should do this here or have a desire to encourage and find those leaders that nobody else can find and see the potential in anybody else that nobody else sees. Then I want you to sign up and all you're signing up to and committing to in that sign up is a phone call with me. And I got to like 90% of them this week. So if you think he never called me, yes, you're right. I didn't get through the whole thing. This week, what we're signing up is we're signing up for two things. One of them happens on Sunday mornings. So I understand that a Sunday morning encouragement is basically useless because you have 166 hours until you're actually going to apply it. Okay. So what you're signing up is you're signing up for a reminder on Saturday to come to Sunday morning prayer next Sunday at 9 a.m. in the kids' church room. And what do we do there? We there, we act as the eyes for the church. We pray for you. We pray for this. We pray for all of that around here, the 66,000 people who live really close to Mountain View, Sunnyside, and don't care what goes on here. We pray for those things there. If you want a reminder to join us for a half hour prayer meeting, put your name and your number down there, and I will text you on Saturday. Speaking of Saturday, wow, Saturday and Thursday of this next week, so Thursday the 12th, Saturday the 14th, we're going to do an equipping workshop where we're going to dig into this stuff and how it applies to you. Where do you fit? Where's your Lego piece within the body of Christ? Because everybody has something that makes them someone. And so Thursday from 7 p.m. till 9 p.m. and then Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. We're going to do the same thing both days, so you only have to come to one. But this is how we step into, this is going to be our spiritual workout out for the day. It's an equipping workshop where we dig in to what God is actually doing in our heart. And so for signing up, what you're signing up to is a reminder. You write your name and your number down there. I will text you. I will call you, which, uh, one or the other, and just say, hey, I encourage you to join us for this. We're stepping into being the eyes of the church. is a gift that God has given to everyone and we're going to do that in three different ways that are open to everyone. Again, not like a driver's license, open to everyone who believes in Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit equips us to strengthen, encourage, and comfort each other. The Holy Spirit equips us to strengthen, encourage, and comfort each other. And the way we're going to close today is the worship team's going to come up in a little bit. And we're going to have our prayer team along the sides who are going to listen to the Lord and ask God, what do you want to say to this person today, to you specifically? We don't know you. We're not going to put our own agenda on whatever we say. We're just going to ask God, okay, what do you want to say to your son or your daughter today? And then we're going to speak out the things that God puts on our hearts, puts in our minds to say to you. Why? Because Paul says, the Bible says that prophecy is meant to strengthen, encourage, and build up the local church. It answers the question in unique ways, specifically to you, that, yeah, I see you, and yeah, I care about you, and yeah, I know about you. So my journey around all this is uh, I grew up in a place where we basically never talked about this, like prophecy. That's kind of like tongues where your head pops off your body and spins around in circles, and your eyes like, ah. And nobody should ever do it because it's really, really weird. Uh, and then I met Christians who were totally normal who did this stuff. And so there was like a, a reckoning. There had to be a decision point in my life. And the point where it came that, that okay, this is actually something that is legit, that matters for me, uh, was in October. October is Pastor Appreciation Month for like everything has its own month. Let me say it again. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. <coughs> And, you know, Pastor Garza is handling some stuff outside. So when you see him, make sure that you tell him, October is pastor appreciation. There you go. Um. And so we had a prayer meeting at church, and at the end of it, uh, they took all of us people who were pastors, and I was an apprentice. Like That means like, I'm learning everything. Not Definitely not a pastor, because there's another youth pastor here. Uh, and, and any place that you've been, unless it's a church of like a couple thousand people, two youth pastors is too many. So I'm racing through graduate school, wanting to be a youth pastor. Anna is super happy and loves being at Mountain View. But my job is taken, like, what, what are we gonna do? And so, like, God understands that, that two, pastor, two youth pastors is too many. I've got this huge fear of failure that just follows me around in life, and I'm blasting dead ahead to a position that's already filled. Like, what's going on? And so part of that, uh, I didn't say anything in my prayer requests that night. Nobody did. It was just, we're going to listen to God, and then we're going to share the things that God puts on our hearts for you. So I'm there with some people who I've known for, like, not very long, haven't shared any of this stuff with them. Uh, One of the ladies prays over me in tongues, so it's stuff that nobody can understand, but we understand that that God knows, and God's going to put it into motion. And there's another lady who, again, doesn't know me, doesn't know my struggles, doesn't know my issue, doesn't know that basically my career trajectory up to this point either equips me to be a pastor or to say, would you like fries with that? Uh, And what she says is, she says, I believe that God is telling you, stay exactly where you are. Keep going. Keep walking the path. Don't deviate. Keep going forward. So I'm like, all right, cool. That's awesome. This is great. This has never happened before, like where God actually has something that he wants to say to Ken. That's October. Couple weeks later in November, the youth pastor, the one youth pastor, you know, because two youth pastors is too many, uh, resigns. It was no longer what she wanted to do. So now there's a job opportunity wide open at a church that my wife loves, has been at for 13 years at that point. And I've already learned the culture, I've learned the system, I've met the students, all this stuff. I'm not that smart to put everything together like that. To look at the situation and say, you know what? I think that youth pastor probably has about three months left and I'm gonna step in and then they're gonna step out and I'm gonna stay there for 14 years. Like I'm not that smart. But God sees. you know what? This, this is my son. And he's always struggled with what happens if this falls apart. He's going face first as fast as he can through grad school for a, for a position that right now isn't open. But man, I'd, I'd love to tell him something that he needs to hear today. And that's why we're going to respond. That's how we're going to respond today. Because God sees you. God loves you. God wants you to know that. And so we're going to step into that, into God's love for us today. Let's stand and we're going to pray.